God's good. It's good to gather. It's good to worship. Isn't it good to be together? It's good to be in his house. Well, I just want to share, um, I'm not going to preach for too long today. Um, and uh, I just have something very simple from the Lord. I just want to say, first of all, let me just pull open some scriptures here, because I just want to say, first of all, in, so that I, sometimes I start preaching, then I don't get to what I want to say, because it's way down in my notes and time runs out. So I just want to say to you this, God will not leave you or abandon you. You know that that's his promise? I felt reminded by the Lord to remind you, and I was thinking of how Peter said, I felt like I needed to remind you and remind you again. Remember, he had been preaching to them and he had been reminding them, but he said, I have to remind you all the days of my life. I have to keep reminding you. And this is what I felt like today, that God will not leave us nor forsake us. Sometimes we look at our circumstances and we judge God by what's going on and not God by his word. It's such a hard thing for our mind to actually take your circumstances and take your reality and push it off to the side and judge what God is going to do in your life by his promises and by his word. It's very hard. Who who knows it's hard to do that? It's hard because if you're in a hard time, if you're in a stressful time, it's hard for you to disengage from that because what happens is we feel like maybe God... uh, lost our number, you know, God lost our address, maybe he, he got busy for a little while, it kind of feels like for a little while that God is, has abandoned us, and it's just not true. God is with us, and I need you to know that today, who's with me, that God is with us. In fact, why don't we start right here, and we're going to just read something out of Joshua 1. This is my wife's, probably if not the number one, one of her top five favorite verses. We're just going to read from Joshua 1, verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the unknown. Everybody say, in the, in the unknown. Now, Moses had the opportunity to lead the people, and we know what happened, right? After they left Egypt, they never made it. And really, what ahead of them was God's promise, and yet what they could see was giants. What they could see was unknown. What they could see was really a a promise, a beauty, something beautiful over there. It truly is. They said the land of the flowing with milk and honey, just like you said, God, but it's also a lot of things that I don't think we can face on our own. And in fact, that doubt actually caused them to not make it. And so God actually comes to Joshua personally, and I love this here because I feel like the Lord is coming to this room today personally to speak to you, and he wants to encourage you just like he did Joshua. Your life is in the unknown. We are in an unknown time, but the Lord wants to give you the promises that he has promised us. Amen. So he said, verse 3, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. 
from the Negev in the wilderness in the south and the Lebanon mountains, and he goes and describes the land. He says, verse 5, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. We need to know that again. God said, I will not fail you nor abandon you. And then he tells Joshua, and this is amazing because God's really, God's speaking personally to Joshua, and his word is speaking personally to you today. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. And then he says, because if you will do that, if you will trust me, if you will do what I say, you will be successful in every single thing you do. He says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. And then he says again, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And then he says in verse 9, this is my command, be strong and courageous. And he encourages him again, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. TJ, we didn't even discuss what song you were going to do today, but that the Lord is with us wherever we go and that we want to be with him wherever he's going. Amen? We would just want to, all we have to do is just be near Jesus. Jesus knows where he's going. Who knows that God knows where he's going? All you have to do is follow God. Remember the footprints in the sand? Remember that? Right? We just, and then eventually it becomes one set of footprints. You stay on the path with Jesus and you get too weary or tired, what happens? The, you're right there with the Lord. He's going to pick you up and carry you. And you're off way over here, though, and you get bogged down and you get tired, and the Lord's over here. We need to get back on the path with the Lord. We just need to get back into his footsteps. It's that simple. We just need to get back in his footsteps. He is with us, and God will not leave us nor forsake us. Now, this is what I felt like I needed to say today from the Lord, that who has ever heard that verse before? Anybody ever read this verse a hundred times in your life? Maybe a thousand times, Dawn. Maybe it's written on your arm in ink. Someone's got that tattoo in here. And yet, we still doubt God when things don't go our way. Isn't that true? But God said, everybody say, but God. But God said, I will not leave you, and I will not forsake you. We have to do this thing in our brain, and it's hard because our brains are human. Who, who has a human brain in here? <laughs> Anybody? Your brain is human, and it's, and it's so irritating, isn't it? Who gets irritated by your human brain? Because your spirit man or woman inside you wants to trust God, doesn't it? It wants to trust God so bad and yet your brain is constantly getting in the way of trusting God, isn't it? 
What we need to do is we need to, again, we need to disengage from this human brain and we need to believe God's word because of what it says, not because of what we think or feel. In fact, I feel like maybe God's got us in a moment right now where some of the feelings of God have been kind of, who has, who has been maybe you feel even just a little dry, like God's kind of taken a step back in the feeling department. I love when I can feel God, but who feels like maybe you haven't felt God recently? I've heard it enough that I started paying attention. I heard enough people say that I haven't really felt him that I paid attention and I said, Lord, I think you're up to something right now. You know, because TJ was talking to me last week about worship and how sometimes you don't feel God during worship. And I had said right then and there in the moment, he was thinking it on stage while he's playing it, and I'm out here in the front row, and I'm praying, and I said, you know, worship's not about a feeling. I love when we can feel God, but worship is because he deserves it. We need to learn to believe God because he's God. We need to learn to believe his word because he said it, not because he's proving it to us. Faith really is believing what he's going to do in your life before he ever does it. Faith is not, well, he did it for me, so now I believe him. That's not faith, is it? They say believing is seeing. No, that's the world. Believing is not seeing and believing anyway. And really what we can do, to be honest, as Christians, is that technically what Joshua needed to do, and actually what I just said during our baby dedication was, you need to actually go back. We used to, they call them um, rocks of remembrance in the Old Testament. And it was a place where God did something special for you before. And when you start to struggle again, what he, Joshua needed to do and what God was encouraging him, that's why he said, listen, I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking about Moses. Why am I doing that? Because you saw what I did with Moses, and I need you to stop before we, ever, before we take another step forward into the unknown, because who's read the story of Joshua? I don't have time today, but you know what happens immediately after this? Prepare for war. I mean, by the end, not, chapter one is not even over, and they're getting the men ready to go to war. Because they're going to have to go in and take the land that the Lord says they're going to take. And I always laugh because the Lord's like, I'm going to do it, but then I always see all these men getting their swords ready. I just mentioned this recently. And that the Greek, we have a word called koinonia for that. And that's this, it's the supernatural connection between God in heaven and man on earth. It was God in heaven and Jesus, his representation as God on the earth. And then Jesus, when he ascended into heaven and sat on the throne, we are his ambassadors. Who knows that? We are the ambassadors of Christ. In fact, we actually have a proclamation we say. The Bible says, it says, not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I'm on the earth. It's my body. When people look at me, they say, that's Adam. I know Adam. But it's not me who's here anymore, right? Who has seen someone who comes to Christ start to change? Things change so dramatically, then people say, I don't know you anymore. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because now Christ who is seated on the throne and you on the earth are starting to become one. You've merged into one. And so your actions, your words, and, and what you are doing in the earth is actually reflecting God in heaven. And what he needed Joshua to do is he needed him to go back in his mind and grab a hold of the times that he saw God deliver them time and time and time again. And Joshua, when you see things that you've never seen before, because 
What I'm going to do with you, Joshua, hasn't been done yet. You are in the unknown. We're about to go into a new season, Joshua. We're going to cross over the river. I've been promising we're going to do this, but where you're about to go, you've never been before. And what you need to do is you're going to need to close your human natural eyes. You're going to need to learn to put your human brain on the shelf, and you're going to have to find that place inside of your spirit where you trust me even though it doesn't make sense. And what you're going to do to help yourself do that is remember every time that it was the first time. Remember every time there was a first time, the first time. Remember when God delivered you from that last situation that you didn't think he could get you through? And now you have a strength in that area because God did it. When you run up against a new situation, you need to go back, grab a hold of the faith that you had there, that you've gained there. And that gives you faith for the next unknown. And that's where we are. I believe that that's where God has us. That's your word from him today, that there is an unknown. There are, I mean, we are in the land of the unknown. In fact, it doesn't even have to be different than, it has to, than it's been for the last hundred years. Just the fact that time is ticking means that God's ultimate timetable of a new heaven and a new earth is on its way. Do you believe that? Why do we believe that? Because the word says it. So even if nothing changes in the natural, in the spirit, things are changing every single day. Things are changing ultimately to the place where the Bible says that everything was, I'm going to read it maybe in a moment, I'm hoping to, we'll see how time goes, but everything was going as normal and then suddenly Jesus shows up and everybody's surprised, amen. And that's because... That's because he has prophesied that, that I believe that. It's in his word, so I believe it. See, society today is trying to teach you, and we've been talking about this a lot, a new normal. They want you to believe a new normal. They want you to believe that what was normal yesterday is not normal, and we're going to write that new normal for you. Society together, we're going to join together and we're going to create this new normal for you. Here's what, what society says is okay for you to believe. And this is okay for you to think. And if you want to move on, you know, you want to find happiness, uh, you're not happy with this person, you know, you want to do this, you want to love a cow, go for it. You can love a cow if you want. That's where we're headed. I'm not making it up. Maybe a hundred years ago, they would have looked at me like I had three heads. And today, you're like, wow, that's true. We literally have genders for that now. In fact, I had read about someone who married themselves last year. Legally. I don't even know what that means. We're going to have to create a normal from God's word. We have to get our minds... We're going to have to disconnect from this world more than ever and truly believe that God is God. Who believes that God is God? His word does not change. God does not change. God is still seated on the throne. He does not change even though society changes, even though what they dictate as normal and what they say is right and what is wrong. They're trying to redefine what the family is. We're here today to dedicate and to, and to 
by his word, remember what a family truly is. And the world is trying to reestablish that. We are in the unknown. Who believes we're in the unknown? We are in a place that is, I don't know what is going on. Anybody just stop and say to God, what is going on in the world right now? What is going on in the world right now? We are in the unknown, and that means that I'll go to my word. Who goes to your word? You, we go to our word. Lord, there's, I got a question. I'm going to go to my word. People try to say, there's not an answer for that in your Bible. And there is. Maybe it's not written in the exact words that you, of the words you're praying, but it's there. It's in the Spirit. You just have to let the Lord teach it to you. You might not realize it yet, but the more I read his word, the more I realize how timeless it is and how relevant it is no matter what happens in the earth. And here we are. They're literally in a place. They're about to go into a place that has giants. Whether you believe it or not, my Bible says that there was giants, so I believe it. They try to say, well, we don't have the bones. You have to go down into the fifth floor in the Smithsonian to find those bones. Did I say that out loud? Because they hid all the bones, because then they'd have to believe God and not evolution. Exactly. But I'm the conspiracy theorist who also believes in God. What an idiot. We have to believe God because we are in the unknown. We are in a place where we're going to have no choice but to trust God. It's so funny. I found myself saying that pre-2020, pre-COVID-19, that I was saying, I feel like God, we're going to be coming into a, a, a season where we're going to have no choice but to trust God. And so here we are, and I don't believe that it's over yet. I'm not talking about that. I just mean whatever's happening in the earth. And we're going to need to trust God more than ever. But I believe this. This is what it says in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. Who loves this verse? It says, I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Did you hear me? Who's confident that God began a good work inside of you. That God found you in your pit. God found you in your misery. Or God raised you in the right family. One way or the other, you look to God and you say, Wow, Lord, you did something in me. You started something in this family. You started something in this church. And I am confident because your word says it, that you're going to finish what you started. Who believes that? You know, I read John 1, 1, and you know what I love? You know what it says in John 1, 1? It says, in the beginning, the Word was with God. The NLT says, the Word already existed. Do you realize how powerful just John 1, 1 is? Do you know what that means? You know who the Word is? Anybody know who the Word is? That's Jesus in the flesh. The Word is was with God. The Word already existed. That means that before anything happened, before the fall, before all the struggles to get to Christ, Jesus already was. His plan already was. God was already working. God was already doing. You know, we're looking at all the details, and we say, God, where are you? And he's saying, I'm right here. I've got a plan, and I've got a purpose. You just don't understand it. What's funny is that we want to understand God before we believe God. 
Imagine a child trying to understand how money works, right? What's a parent say, the old saying? Money doesn't grow on, on trees, kid, right? Parents trying to teach their kid. They're like, whatever, you know, just go buy me this. Just go do this. Comes easy, All right? Because a child, but then imagine us trying to explain to them what it mean, means to budget your checkbook, it's not even possible. Even if you wanted to do that, your child cannot understand. And so what's funny is sometimes we're like, God, I just want to understand, and then I'll believe you. And God is literally in heaven saying, I want you to understand. It's not that I don't, but you can't even understand. You're going to have to trust me that I know what I'm doing in the meantime, and who has found that one day the revelations do come? Who has found questions that you followed God blindly in? Eventually, the answers do come. Who has seen it many, many times now? You could testify of them. Things you said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. You just surrender. I don't even know what that means, God. I don't even know what that means to say I surrender. I just know that that's what everybody else is saying right now. And yet, the power of those words, because you meant it. You just didn't even know the fullness of it, but you meant it. I think I mean it. I don't know what that means yet, but I mean it. And then the revelation of the unfolding. Isn't it incredible what God does? So you know what's amazing? I read to you Joshua 1. I want to read to you Joshua chapter 21. Everybody say, there's 20 chapters in there. <laughs> you don't have to say it out loud. We get it. The point is, there's life in between. Everybody say there's life in between. All right, there is life in between the promise and the fulfillment. There's life in between the promise and the fulfillment. There's two folds to that. One is that God is faithful. God never fails. The second thing is God gave Joshua a strategy. And sometimes we point our finger at God and we say, God, where are you? What? You didn't do this. You did that. You know, and then we forget that we also didn't do what he told us to do. Right? We go, God, you know, you failed me, but I did enjoy going to the bar every night. Lord, I'm an alcoholic, but I'm the one who drank the drink over and over and over again. Now, who knows the Lord is faithful and can get you out of that situation? Who believes it? Who has seen it? Right? Amen. Amen. But we can't point our finger at God and say that he did that, right? That's what the world does. The world has nothing to do with God until something happens in their life that they don't like. Who's the first person they point their finger out when something bad happens? The last time I heard you say God, it had an expletive before and after it. Now suddenly God is responsible for your crisis. So twofold is that God is faithful. He will never fail us. But the other side is, again, if we're wandering way off over here, it's time that we get back into sync with him. We get in step with him. Because that's the place where his, his grace is there. His mercy is there. And when you get burdened, when you get tired, you can't do it. He is there to carry us. He, the Bible says that he's gentle. Don't you love that? It says yoke with Jesus. Yoke with him because he's gentle. He, you know what a yoke is? Remember when they take the two oxen and they would plow a field and it was this piece of wood that would actually link the two necks together so they became one. That means when the one oxen started getting off, the other one would steer them right and vice versa. 
We don't need to help Christ, but you get the point. That he's there to walk with us. Well, okay, so Joshua 21 says, it says, so the Lord, verse 43, Joshua chapter 21, verse 43 says, the Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them. That's the exact promise he gave Joshua. They won't be able to stand against you. Here's chapter 21. None of them could stand against them. For the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Or you could translate that in modern words. The Lord helped them conquer every single obstacle. Every, you know, the world calls it conquering your demons. You can call it whatever you want. The thing that's come against your life, the things that's tried to take you down, you know, we all have it. The thing that you had to fight past, you had to trust the Lord through, and he did it, didn't he? Who knows that God was faithful to get you through it, didn't he? Amen. To conquer every single devil that tried to stop the promise of God. He was faithful. In fact, it says, verse 45, not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? God is faithful to us, and he's faithful to you today. There's 20 chapters in between what God promised and the promise coming to pass and we don't have time to read those 20 chapters here. Who has read those 20 chapters? All right? This is what it looks like. Right? They're trusting God, but there's ups and downs. There are valleys and there are mountaintops in between. And if you were to judge God in the valley, we would be, uh, I don't even have the words, but we would be so mistaken to what God is up to right now. He is trying to get us somewhere. He, it's not that he's trying. I, take, that's, that's, I don't have the English. I don't have words to describe what's happening in the, in the spirit. But God is able. It's that there is, this, there is a struggle. Who knows you have an enemy? All right? The devil hates you because he hates God. Unfortunately, you're tied to God, so he hates you. He doesn't even really hate you because you're you, but because God made you and God loves you. And that's why he hates you. And so he's trying to take you down, and he doesn't want you to be blessed, and he doesn't want God's promise in your life. Who is very aware? Who, not, who does not need a sermon to tell you that? Who is very aware of him and his plan for your life? And who is very aware that God rescued you from his grip many, many times? See, in between is a place I like to call limbo. Now, Dawn knows that's one of my greatest pet peeves in life is this place that I call limbo. It's when you get up in the morning, and this happens to me because I'm a business owner, so you get up in the morning and you had a plan, and for whatever reason, all your plans now are shot. And you have to try to figure out how to make the best of the day. And that 
is, you know, that's just a very simple situation because whatever doesn't affect a lot of things. But who's been in your life? You've made certain decisions and you get, end up in this place and here you are and or the situation did it to you and you didn't do anything. And you're in this place of kind of in between. You know that God is for you. You know he's got a plan, but you don't know what to do. Who's ever been there? You're like, God, I want to follow you, but I don't even know where that means to go right now. And that's that place that I call limbo. And, you know, when, when that happens, when we get in that place and we get stuck in between, and I want to say, like, it's too late to turn back. There's no turning back. You are in this place where you just have to make the best of things and you have to move on. Now, I'm not trying to just, uh, you know, give you some sort of, like, uh, puffed up, you know, kind of just, in, just encourage you thing here. That, you know, I'll just make the best of it. It's not, I know it's not that simple when you're in it. It's easy to say, right? Don't you hate when somebody's encouraging you? You're going through the worst time in your life and they go, they pat you on the shoulder and go, it'll get better. <laughs> Dawn gets mad at me. You're like, <laughs> when I do that. I mean, you really mean it, though. Everybody means well when they do that, right? But you're like, that's not helping right now. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it is the truth. It's just not what your mind wants to hear, but it is the truth, isn't it? And what happens is, is you say, well, it's too late to turn back, and then your mind goes, well, is it? And then you start questioning everything, and then you get frazzled, and then you're like, if I had done this different, if I had done that, and, and, and as, as much as I dislike this state, one thing is certain. Ready? I want to say this. One thing is certain. You cannot change the past. The only thing certain in that time, God's God, right? We've already established that. The only natural thing that is certain is that you cannot change what got you here. All you can do is lift up your head and look forward. Who knows that? You need to set your eyes back on Christ and back on the promise. Because a whirlwind came in. Life came in, and then you think, that's it. I've lost everything. I've missed everything. I, God's, you know, I don't even know what to do. I, I'm so tor like twirling around in the whirlwind of life that I don't even know where God is, and I don't even know what that means, this promise in my life. I thought he meant this, and now I'm over here. Who's been there? And the thing is, you cannot change what got you there, but what you can do and you can't mull over your mistakes, but you can get up, and you can keep going, and you can keep your eyes forward. And if you've been listening to the podcast or the sermons for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Elijah a lot, talked about him for about two months. And one of the last couple of sermons, I really outlined how God gave Elijah a fresh outlook on the plan that he had for his life. That's what gave him the spark to get going again. And I want to say this. God will, I'm going to say it again, God will finish what he started. If there's one thing that will never help us, it's to focus on mistakes and on yesterday and even, you ready for this? The good old days. One thing, the worst thing we can do that will actually cause us even to miss God's promise is to get focused on past and yesterday and the good old days. Sometimes, sorry, TJ, why am I picking on you today? Sometimes TJ gets in these sulky moods. He's not going to get offended because we joke about it. 
And he'll just be like, man, to be six again. Oh, just, you know, carefree. Kids don't have to worry about anything. Just come and go as they please. Play video games, get their food, and just run and go play again. And sometimes he kind of like wishes, you know, he can go back a little bit. <laughs> I think we all, you know, we all wish for those types of things. And, you know, that's fine. It's one thing to, to be silly about it. But, you know, that can really, it's a, it's a true stumbling block in our lives that when we come, we're believing God, we're trusting God, and what can happen is sometimes, sometimes God's, God is still moving. Who knows that God's moving? Right? God is, you know, you know where God is right now? God's in 2021, because that's where we are. God's moving like this. There is a timeline. Who knows there's a timeline? Who knows your, your Bible's a timeline? And what we want to do is we want to, like, savor these good times we had with God, which is amazing. Who loves the good times you had with God? But sometimes, we're like, you know, we want to stay up on that mountaintop place with God, but the valley is part of the process to get you to the next mountaintop. And what can happen is, is if we stay up here, which is great, but really, rather, I should say, was great, we will miss God. And then we can't point our finger at God and say, you promised and you didn't do it. No, God says, I did promise you, but I need you to keep moving. I know you don't like this valley now, but I promise you that there is hope at the end. I need you to get through this valley, and you can't go back. That's not the answer. I, you're right. I was there, and we did something special back then, and that can fuel you, and that's, that's amazing, but you need to keep moving today. Who's, who's getting anything out of this? I'm wrapping up. There's a story in the book of Genesis. I don't have, I'm not going to read the whole story, but who remembers the story of Lot's wife? Remembers her story? Anybody? Genesis 19. What's happening is, it's just very quickly, is the angels are coming. God, Sodom is so wicked. Sodom is so wicked that God has no choice. I mean, he gives them warning after warning after warning, but God's like, I have to deal with this city. It was so wicked that when the angels came, they tried to get the angels to sleep with them. I know, this doesn't even make sense, but that's how wicked it was. So God says, Lot, Abraham's praying for you. I need to get you out of here. Time to go. And so the Bible says that actually Lot kind of argues with the angels quite a bit. Who knows there's a time for wavering, and then there's a time to get going. I want you to say that out loud. There's a time to waver, and then there's a time to get going. God actually allows him to argue quite a bit. Because he's like, what about this, this, and that? You know, I need to go get these people, and et cetera. You, can, you guys can read it on your own. It's in Genesis 19. But then finally it says, finally it says, at this point, he says, verse 22, Genesis 19, verse 22, hurry. Everybody say hurry. It says escape. And it says to go to this little place called Zoar, Right? Verse 23, it says, Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon and the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. And he utterly destroyed them along with other cities and villages in the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. I know people don't like these parts of the Bible, but this is the Bible. And it says, but Lot's wife, verse 26, looked back 
as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. You know, this is such an incredible story. In fact, she is not even named. She's just called Lot's wife. All the wives in here, you just look at your husband and just say, I'm his name's wife. <laughs> That's Adam's wife there. That's it. That's all you are. But she was such an important part of God's word that actually Jesus talks about her again. And you know what he, ta he says? Remember Lot's wife. And you know why he brings her up? Because he says, in the last days when I come back again, everybody's just going to think that everything's normal and you can just do... Really, the picture was that you think that you can do what you want with your life and everything's going to be okay. And it's a lie from Satan. That is not true because one day... Jesus is going to stand there, and the Bible says like a thief in the night, just like Lot, that suddenly they were surprised. That's how important she was. And you know, I don't believe that she just looked. I don't think she went like this. And I don't think she just was like, let me, I just want to see it for a second. Most scholars agree what she did is actually she longed for it. The wording there says looked, but that she longed. That she just thought, man, I, I just want to be there. I just want to be when things were good. I just want to be in that place, God, where everything was perfect. You might not be in a perfect place in your life right now. And you know what happens? We get stuck. She is literally forever in time, out there somewhere. We think we found the city. There's actually a place out in the Middle East. It's, it's just these pillars of salt from the sulfur. Out actually near the Salt Sea. So we don't know for a fact, but probably that's the city because it's literally just towers and towers of salt. So probably the city. And she is forever locked in time, at least in the flesh, stuck. And you know, the Lord speaking to us today, what we need to do is, they call it, you know, pull up your britches, old term, <laughs> and get moving. That's an old, old term. It's time that we look to the Lord again, we trust in him again, and we just say, Lord, you did amazing things here. You did amazing things there. I don't know what you were doing here. But I'm going to continue to trust you because you're faithful. What she really did, you know why it was such a great sin, what she did there? When she looked back and longed, what she was really telling God was, out there is the unknown, and I know here, and I like here because I feel like I'm in control. And out here, I don't have control because I don't even know where you're going. I don't even know what Zor is. That's the city that we're heading to, just some city up in the hill. I don't even know what that place is. You're taking me. And what she was telling God without saying it in words, you know, you can tell God things without words. You know, so we're all going to stand before him, and he's going to say, He's going to judge us at one day at the great white throne of judgment, and we're going to say, I never said that. Like, you didn't need to say that. Who's good at that? Anybody in this room good at doing that? Who's good at saying things without saying them? I didn't say, I didn't say nothing. Really? Because your posture is saying it all. But the Lord's telling us today to look to him again, I hear, though, with such love and with such, such grace, give me a chance again. That God's saying, give me, give me another chance. I know it's the unknown out there. You feel like I've trusted you before. I trusted you, and everything went array. Or, is that the right word? 
Awry? Awry. I knew what I was trying to say. Trust me again. I know it's the unknown, but I have promises for you that you can't even understand. And yes, there's 20 chapters in between. But if you will trust me, I will get you there. Amen. Isn't God good? Isn't he faithful? Let's just give him praise and thanks. Lord, we just thank you. And we give you glory. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, you lock this word into our hearts. God, I pray it'd be like good seed and good ground. God, take this seed, push it down into our hearts, Lord, and let it produce fruit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Thank you.